Well, good morning. Well, obviously, I'm not Chris Murphy. Um, I think most of you know Chris is out this week. And um, just a quick update about Braden. Um, her son, he had surgery yesterday, and I think they're awaiting news to see if they're going to be able to go home today. Um, but you can just keep him in your prayers. They, they did detect an infection, and so um, they weren't able to put hardware back in his arm. They're going to have to wait about six to eight weeks to see if some antibiotics um, kind of clear up that infection. So she has wanted me to pass along. She is so thankful for your prayers and all the sweet notes and everything. So um, please continue to, to um, lift their family up. Um, and so um, I am here this morning on when I, I looked at the content and, you know, Chris kind of sent out an SOS realizing his surgery was going to be yesterday. And <laughs> I think Becky and I played the not it game really fast. <laughs> I lost. <laughs> actually, I feel like I won. Um, this was just a, it was actually with having spring break and having the week off of studies, it was really a kind of a, a blessed time for me to be able to prepare and go so deep um, into study on, um, on the arrest and crucifixion. So um, I'm going to take a little bit of a different perspective and as I started preparing last week, um, obviously, you know, it is a weighty topic. You know, it's, it's the most pivotal 24 hours that we have, you know, in not just the Bible, but the entire history um, that just changed everything. Um, you know, it's why we are here today. It's why we, we live under a, um, the umbrella of God's grace. And so, you know, as I was kind of approaching it and thinking, you know, like, what, what direction do I even go? Um, you know, there's so many different ways to look at it. When I was a kid, um, I, I remember being in church, and we had a, a man that came, and he was an expert on the crucifixion. And so he went in, and, and I, I have this. A friend of mine gave um, me this um, for Christmas. It's a, the medical journal from the crucifixion, and it's actually written by doctors um, going back and looking at historical data from the crucifixions that occurred over a period of time and, and specifically applied it to Jesus and the way that, that it happened. And so, um, you know, just proving, you know, with science that, that he, he did perish on the cross, that there was no physical way he could have survived that. And I remember sitting there on that Sunday, and I literally just remember feeling so sick and sad and overwhelmed, and, you know, just as a child, um, that. And so I was thinking, you know, that's a direction we could go. And I was like, I don't really like that direction. <laughs> um, so what, what, I, what I would like to do, something a little bit different that we don't normally do, is I've, I've given you handouts, and so if you're listening to podcast. Um, I want to make sure um, that I note that these will be available for download. So even if you know if you want to share the documents or you know print out more later or forward them, um, we'll have everything um, for you to access through Facebook, and we'll send out an email that has everything as well. So hopefully this will kind of also cut down on you you know having to take physical notes if you don't want to, and um, you know there will be some additional things that you can write down. But um, for the most part, it's there, and so I'm not going to go over all of that in great detail because I think that's something you could do on your own. Um, I, I want to point it out to you, we're going to use some of it as an example, because I love the timing of our lesson, um, the way that uh, between this week and next, and, and just the, the way that we're preparing our own hearts for, for Easter, and, um, and what, what that means as a believer. So um, I think it might be some really great deeper study for you, if, if that's something that you want to pursue. And so you've got lots of content there to do that, um, and if you have questions or anything as you go through it, just shoot me an email, or um, you can text me, or Facebook message me or whatever um, is easiest for you to get in touch with me. So um, anyway, all that to say, um, you know, as I was as praying and kind of preparing, okay, what, what context, you know, is this going to be in? I just, I felt, and even our prayer time this morning when we prayed with our leaders before, just a heaviness with the content. And so 
But that's just not what I felt the Lord was revealing to me. It is, it is heavy and it is weighty. And, you know, when you think about um, the fact that, you know, our Savior hung there um, because of us and each one of us. And he would have done it for just each one of us. And so, you know, I, I don't want to downplay that at all. But everything that I kept coming across was just this spirit of worship. And so kind of combining the aspect of worship through the, through the crucifixion and creation and how that all ties together um, really just for me was kind of an overwhelming week as I kept kind of coming across different content and um, a lot of it was music, which is funny because I'm, I'm not like a real super musical person like Chris is and I actually prefer complete quiet. <laughs> so like if I'm preparing or studying or whatever, I, I like peace. In my car, I often have complete peace. There's nothing on. Um, and those of you that know, know I have like severe noise issues. So, um, so for music to be what kind of spoke to my soul over the last week was kind of ironic. Um, but there was one song in particular that um, I woke up on Thursday morning. Um, I have a prayer time with some friends that we get up early. The only day I get up that early, thank goodness. Um, but I have a, an alarm radio that, that goes off, and this song came on, and I'd never heard it before. And usually, you know, it's like, how fast can I hit the snooze button? And I have it to where I can do it three times. That's my snooze reflex. And, but I heard this song, and it was so crystal clear, and it had started at the very beginning. And it just played, and I just laid in bed listening to these words, and I just thought, oh my gosh, Lord, this, this is the summary of the arrest, the crucifixion, and the resurrection. And so I just, I love the timing of it. I love, it, it starts way back at the beginning from creation, and it goes all the way up through the cross. And so I just felt like it was such a beautiful framework um, for our time this morning. So I'm going to actually play that at the very end. We're going to close with that video, and it's got the lyrics on it because I wanted to share it with you. And some of you may have heard it before. Um, and I'll give you the link for that, too, so that you can watch the video or if you want to share it. Um, and the, the church that created it actually was very generous and shared um, their link with us. So you can actually post it and share it as well. So um, all that to kind of lead us into where, uh, where we're going to land this morning. And um, it's, I've, I titled it God's Canvas of Grace. And, and I think, again, it comes from... Just this idea that, um, you know, over the, over the history of the world, you know, God began at the beginning, you know, with the creation and, and just this beautiful canvas, um, you know, that, that he has, has painted and illustrated and populated, you know, over this period of time and all the way that everything weaves together through that is such a beautiful representation of his creativity and, and what all that meant for us, um, and so as I started thinking about it, I, I just, I, I thought, okay, how, you know, starting this off, like, what does that even, what does that even look like? And, and to me, um, it, it all pointed to kind of this really miraculous intersection. Um, you've got God's creation, you've got his love, you've got his grace, and you've got his desire for us to be in a relationship with him through Jesus Christ, his son. And so all that together, I just thought, it just, it just paints this glorious portrait of, of what our lives in Christ can look like. Um, we're going to go through three separate divisions. Um, the first one, we're going to talk about from creation to the cross, so that'll be number one. Um, and then we're going to move into something called a harmony of the Gospels. Has anybody heard of that before, harmony of the Gospels? Um, probably until about two years ago, um, I was telling the, the girls last night, um, it, it's, a, it's a blessing, and it's also really humbling to be on staff with a bunch of really smart Bible people. <laughs> and so a couple of years ago, you know, like, we'll be sitting in a room, and, you know, Christy and I are, and we're the, we're the only women on our ministry team, and, um, 
it was Brandon and Ron and Randy and Alan and all these people that have been to seminary, and they start talking about this harmony of Gospels, and I'm like, I don't even know what that is, and it's basically a parallel um, uh, visualization of the Gospels, and they're laid out chronologically in time, and so I've, I've given you a sample, and I'm going to give you a link to the complete document, um, so that if that's something you want to go back and so that you can look at all four accounts um, of the crucifixion, um, then you'll have that to look at. And then we're going to wrap up with um, ministry of the one to the ones. That'll be our third, our third topic. Um, so let's go ahead, and I'm just going to um, tell you real quick what handouts you have so that you know what's kind of in front of you. Um, that top one, it says Holy Week Timeline, and you'll see that this came from Bible Gateway. And uh, it was my, my daughter comes on the Tuesday night um, She's in high school, and she, she participates with the girls on Tuesday nights. And so I was kind of running everything by her because I thought she'd be a good um, indicator if, you know, if it was too much or whatever. And I showed her this, and she goes, you're not going to go over that, are you? <laughs> I was like, uh, no, I guess not. I'm not going to do that. Not today. So you can thank Lauren for um, being excused from going over this in great detail. Um, one thing, if, if you don't know this about me, I'm a very visual learner, and so the, the more um, photo or image I can have for me just kind of helps imprint that in my mind and, and in my heart. So this is a portion of the timeline. If you want to look at the whole thing from Sunday to Sunday, um, it's on Bible Gateway. I just captured the portion that we're studying for today. But the, what, what I like about this is you see all these different colors and lines going together. Where the lines get close together, those are the people that were together. So it, it's like a physical timeline of who was together. Um, it goes time-wise across the page. And then you'll see some, I don't know if you can see it up there, but like some gray boxes. That will actually denote a location. So you'll see um, the three Jewish trials. You know, those were at the high priest's residence. And you'll see um, the three Roman trials taking place at, at, at where Pilate was. And so um, you'll see all these different um, deviations in, in time and, and the activities that are going on with a lot of scripture reference. So this is just here for your own personal interest and further study if you'd like it. Um, on the back page, you have a map of Jerusalem of the last 24 hours. And there is a website, and again, I'll give you this link, um, and it's called Journey Through the Bible. And um, it's uh, a website that they put together, and it literally, um, those of you maybe going to Israel in May would really, <laughs> Amy, we're all, we're all coveting Amy's Israel trip. Um, it, it, it's really neat because it takes you through, but it's got photos of the actual locations, and it's got maps, and it'll have scripture reference, and everything kind of taking you through all the different journeys. So Paul's journeys are on there, and this particular, the last 24 hours, is a section on there. And so I just wanted to show you, um, you know, kind of the... Um, the layout of what Jerusalem looked like and all the different paths and where they, you know, had Jesus going. And, and again, remember, this is as best accurately, historically accurate that, that we can get. And so, you know, allow a little bit of, of latitude in there because there, there may be a, another map that you see that, that is slightly varied. But, um, but this will give you at least some kind of an idea. Um, on the next page... Um, is the harmony of the Gospels, and, and I'll, I'll get to that in a little bit more later. But I just want to make note, um, if you look under location and you see the numbers in um, parentheses after each location, that number is going to correspond with the number on your map. 
So as you're going through this timeline, if you want to go through, because this, this will actually lay out that 24 hours. Um, and so you can look at, okay, sometime before midnight, um, you know, Christ was praying for the disciples and the believers and himself. Um, we believe maybe it was still in the upper room, um, and that would have been number one. So you can go back and look, okay, there's the upper room. So that's kind of how this all works together. So all that, we're going to jump back now to um, the creation, from creation to the cross. Um, I, I was kind of overwhelmed, um, you know, thinking about, you know, how do I, how do I sufficiently articulate what I feel is in my heart and what God impressed on me for this, this particular lesson? How do I get it from here to, you know, somehow through my head and, and out? Because I, you know, articulating all that and, and trying to capture it's a, it's a little hard. Um, and so, again, kind of going to some, some imagery and, and trying to think of an example, an illustration that, that we could use together. Um, I want you just to kind of bear with me for a minute and kind of think about um, a challenge. And that is, you know, when we're reading Scripture, and it's, it's not just for the purpose of today, but, but in general, um, you know, actually immersing yourself into Scripture and trying to imagine the place and the time and, and what the environment was like. And that, that's one of the reasons that we do study like we do here at Rock Point is, you know, we want it to be um, something that you can actually, that is relatable to you, but that you are actually, you know, putting yourself in that place. And so, you know, it's one of the reasons we go scripture by scripture and that we give you a lot of content and background um, for a, a book of the Bible. And so um, as, as I was going through this part and thinking about, okay, how do we actually set this up? You know, in, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, we left off last, last, well, two weeks ago with Becky teaching, and we know that, you know, it was, it was Thursday night, it was the Lord's Supper, um, the disciples were, were finishing up, Judas had, has left by this point, and we know that he's going to, to betray Jesus, and so we, we know that that's kind of where we are time-wise and, and where the location is. And so that's where we pick up, and it's right before midnight on Thursday is where we're going to pick up tonight. And so I started just kind of thinking, and, and you know, with this, this, uh, this thread of the creation kind of flowing throughout, you know, kind of in the back of my mind, and I thought, well, it would have been night, you know, and it would have been dark, um, and it, it would have probably... Um, you know, there, I, I don't know, I just imagine there being kind of a hush because people were preparing for Passover and there was, they probably had a really busy day and maybe they had all, you know, kind of wound down for the night because they didn't have lights. You know, maybe people actually went to bed at a decent time, <laughs> not like we do. Um, and so it made me start thinking about the moon. And so that's what I, I want to challenge us today is um, as we go through um, our, our time this morning, I, I really want us to think about this period of time through the eyes of Jesus and, and what what we might imagine he would be thinking, um, what he would be seeing, you know, how he would be taking all of this in, um, and, and that's going to be kind of how we look. And so I'm going to keep referring back to, like, this creation filter. Um, and when I say that, I'm just, what I mean is, okay, let's, let's take a step back and look at what it is that Jesus is seeing through creation. So um, the way I'd like to start is um, first just establishing that, um, that, that Jesus was here from the beginning, and we know that from Scripture. Um, and so I, you know, I, I love that we're doing John. Um, you know, it's, I mean, there's, there's so many reasons that, um, that it's, you know, it's, it's such a, a powerful gospel. Um, and, and for this season, I think, in our church, it's, it's, it's um, especially meaningful. Um, but we can go back to the beginning of Genesis, and there's so much parallel between Genesis and John. And so I wanted to read um, from Genesis 1 a few of the verses um, setting up creation and establishing that, that Jesus was there from the beginning and also reading a little bit from the beginning of John. 
And I want us to pay particular note to the moon um, as we talk about that, because that'll be what transitions us to the next part. And so from Genesis 1, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons, and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And so we've, we've got a clear establishment here of, of God creating from nothingness, um, you know, and, and, and you know, this is, by, this is the fourth day. Um, skip, skip the first three um, just for, for this sake. Um, but seeing that, you know, God was there, we see the Holy Spirit is there hovering over the face of the waters. And so um, when we look at John, let's, let's look at um, John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word. And, and I know you all probably talked about this on week one, but anytime you see word capitalized, you can substitute Jesus in there. That, that's what they're referring to. So in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So what we see here is this acknowledgement that Jesus was present. He was there. You know, they, the, the Trinity is, is intact from the very beginning. And so, you know, what, what does that tell us? That, so, you know, Jesus, we know that he, you know, he left his throne to come to earth as a sacrifice for our sin. And so it, it just got me thinking that, you know, he's, he's on this earth, but now he's a fleshly man, um, you know, exposed to all the things that we are. And he's looking at this world it, what would seem to me like upside down, because you know if you're if you're used to just you know theoretically looking at the world like overseeing it, but now you're in it, you know, and so you've got this completely different perspective, um, and so then that's kind of what led me to start thinking about Thursday night and it being dark and the moon, and so I want to um, show you a picture of the um, Kidron Valley. Get that one up there real quick, thanks, Shelley. Um, so this is if if you go back to that map that I gave you. Um, if you look on the right-hand side, you'll see it says Kidron Valley there. Um, that eastern wall um, that was surrounding Jerusalem, that would have been the wall that you see kind of in the background there. And so this would have been north going that way. So the grassy area with all of those olive trees there, that would be the Kidron Valley. So um, I tried to find a picture of it at night, but I couldn't. I always wanted to find what, like, what would it actually look like with the moon. So you just have to use your imagination on that. Um, but, but this is where it took place. And, and, you know, Scripture tells us in just historical documents, there probably were a lot more trees than that, um, a lot more olive trees that would have been in that place. And so if you imagine 
Jesus, and we know he took three disciples with him. They left the upper room, and they go, you know, they have to enter one of the gates of the wall. They're crossing now the Kidron Valley, and probably mostly by moonlight, um, because they, they may have had, you know, lanterns, um, but at the most, there were four, right, before them, and so to cross this vast expanse, and, and we know that it was a full moon. And so this goes back to the creation aspect, and, and I, I love this, um, this part. One of the things I came across um, was a Jewish lunar calendar um, as, I was, as I was looking all this information up. And based on the, the lunar calendar, the, the Jewish lunar calendar, um, the 14th of every month there was a full moon. And it still is today. It's the way it works. And, and their 14th isn't the same as our 14th. So I want to clarify that. Um, but every lunar month um, begins with a new moon. And on the 14th of every month there would have been a full moon. So Passover was and still is always celebrated on that lunar that that full moon. And so that's why Easter changes every year. So, you know, a lot of historical and, and scientific um, explanation there. So if we go back and look at the Genesis passage that I read to you earlier, and we look, um, they're talking um, talking about the moon here. Let the moon be signs and for seasons and for days and years. So all the way back to the beginning of time, we see God is a God of order and establishing these seasons and these rotations of the earth in such a way that it's going to make sense 2,000 years from then when Jesus and his disciples are using the full moon to cross through the valley of the Kidron to go to the Garden of Gethsemane. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about all that. I'm thinking, okay, he's, he's going, he's looking up that moon. And I mean, if, if it were me, and maybe just because I'd be like, hey, I did that, you know. <laughs> I made that. I made that full moon. That's pretty awesome. He probably, he was, you know, obviously humble, which is apparently something I'm lacking. But I, I think that would have been pretty cool. Just, you know, and I, we, no, he probably didn't say anything. But don't you think he was probably thinking, like, you know, what a glorious moon. And, and even, I, I would like to think, because scripture tells us that creation worships, you know, and that it, that it bows at his feet and there is reverence there. And so I would like to think that, you know, those are maybe some things that he was thinking in the midst of knowing what was coming for him. And so it, it would have been that same moon that was a full moon the very first Passover when the Israelites escaped Egypt. It would have been a full moon that night that allowed them to get out um, safely and, and to exit from Israel or from, from Egypt. Um, and then the, the, the irony or providence, I kept going back and forth. I don't really like the word irony. I like providence better, but, but it, I, I, do, I do think it is ironic that it would have been that same moonlight that just hours later would have illuminated the area allowing Judas to identify Jesus out in the, in the darkness in these olive trees. It would have been probably by the light of the moon. And so even in that aspect, you know, was, was Jesus thinking, you know, even, even my creation is betraying me or or, you know, a, a person I created is betraying me and using something that I created. And so just the, the complexity of all that this is tying together, um, I think is just, for me, it just seems very overwhelming. Um, you could also look at this, you know, in different aspects of creation. And so we can look at land, you know, and, and the day that, that, um, that God created the land. And there's a, in the song, there's a line, and it says, um, it talks about um, that he died on the hill he created. And that just really hit me, you know, that he's, he's on this hill that, you know, essentially is there because of him. Um, he was hanging on a cross that would have been made from wood, from a tree that he made. And so all of these different pieces of how they all kind of fit together, I think, gives us kind of a unique perspective to look at it through Jesus' eyes. 
Um, we look at the creation of man. Um, you know, sometimes we joke, we're like, you know, is he ready to just be like, do over? <laughs> what have I done? Um, what a mess are we? Um, you know, and he loves us so much. And, and even just the very knowing that we are where we are and that he knew that we'd be where we are um, and, and continued on with it anyway, just as a symbol, symbol of his love. Um, you know, I was thinking... He, he would have been beat and ridiculed by these men that he would have seen and, and created, you know, in their mother's wombs um, and, and being able to look at that. But he never said that, you know, he never, he never used his power in that way to, to demonstrate who he was. He wanted people to come to him willingly um, and, and to accept him just based on their faith. Um, he was judged and sentenced sentenced by rulers that he had placed in positions of authority. You know, we go back to Proverbs and the scripture that says, you know, God places men in their positions of authority, not men. Um, and he, he died for the very sins of murder and false witness that were being committed against him. And so, you know, again, just all the, the complexity of everything that was going on during this time just kept bringing me back to this place of worship and, and how just the, the completeness of what God has done and created for our benefit. Um, it kind of left me at, at the end of, you know, if, if there was ever a time or a man or a, a place where somebody would have been justified, um, you know, to have a sense of entitlement, I think it would have been Jesus. And we, we never saw that from him. Um, the, one of the things I really love about the, um, the harmony of the Gospels is it gives all the different accounts from the scriptures, and so we'll, we'll talk about some of those. But, um, you know, this, this is the same Jesus that um, he, he created the, the, the man that betrayed him and, and knew that, that he would. Um, he's also the same man that when he's falsely accused and then being taken captive by somebody, he, he heals the ear of the man um, that was coming to capture him. Um, you know, just this consistent canvas of grace, I think, is, is what we see throughout Scripture. Um, we also see that from the cross that he's, he's making arrangements for his mother to be cared for. Um, we see that he, um, you know, gives us a choice today whether we decide, you know, to embrace him as our Lord and Savior or not. And so just this, this continual um, thread and and just constant presence of the choices that we have and, and everything that he's made available to us through his creation. So let's go ahead and look at the harmony of the Gospels. And again, for the sake of time, and we're not obviously going to be able to go through all of this, so what I've given you in your handout is um, a summary of the timeline. And just to kind of explain this a little bit, um, so this, this particular harmony that I used, um, it, it dates back to 1922, so it's almost 100 years old. And you can, um, there, there, are, there are others out there, but this one I, I feel like, you know, it's, it's good, it's reliable, it's referenced a lot, um, and it's been around that long, so I feel like it's probably pretty proven. Um, you'll see, though, under the event, like it says 151, and then it's Christ's intercessory prayer. And then we've got a location and then the gospel references over on the right. So the, the website that I'll share with you has this from the, from the beginning of the gospels through the end. So it'll be the whole thing. I just pulled out this section of what we're doing today. So that's why it starts with 151. And then you've got the timeline on the left. And again, you know, talking about canvas of grace, let's, <laughs> we'll have to extend a little grace because we don't know exactly what the times were. Um, the Jewish calendar was different. The Jewish day started at 6 a.m. That would have been their first hour. So when you see the third hour or the sixth hour, you need to add six to that. That's kind of how the Jewish um, um, time worked. 
So I did want to um, uh, pull out a specific example, and we'll get to it in just a minute, but there is um, one, if you look on the very back page, it's 156, where Peter denies the Lord three times. And so we'll come back to that. But I did want you to kind of see, um, you know, what, what this is and how it works. And again, just um, the parentheses with the number in, in it after the location reference can go back to the map that you have. So they all kind of work together. But this is, I think, a, a really helpful thing just to go through. And, you know, if, if, if you do decide to go do um, further study or even if you just go back and read the four gospel accounts um, on the, the, the whole from the whole Passion Week, um, you know, is, is really, really helpful and, and very insightful. And, and I, th I think you'll be inspired by it. Um, so I want to read a quote from John MacArthur and kind of talking about um, the four Gospels and this, this idea of the harmony of it. And he says, The Holy Spirit gave us four Gospels, and specifically, three of them are synoptic, from a Greek word meaning to share a common point of view so that the truth concerning our Lord and Savior might be established on the basis of two or three witnesses. Because each writer emphasized different themes from his life, the four historical testimonies provide a powerful and profound composite picture of the Son of God and the Son of Man. And so we know that, um, that, that the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, um, you know, they're, they're written from a, from a different perspective, you know, in, in the way, and there's, we, we don't have time to get it on to, into all the, um, the Greek um, definitions of all how that, all that works. Um, but, but those tend to focus more on the humiliation and the physical suffering that Jesus endured um, during the crucifixion. And so that's a little bit contrasted to John. John focuses more on God's deity and Jesus' suffering as a means of um, revealing his glory at the end. And, and, you know, we have the benefit of knowing that Sunday comes and that there is a resurrection. Remember, during this time, they didn't know. They were, you know, probably very confused and thinking that they have lost their Savior um, and not knowing that, that, you know, that he will um, be raised um, on, on the third day. So th those are a little bit of the differences between the first three and John. Um, we also will see, you know, if, when you're looking at Luke, we know Luke was a doctor, and so, you know, he'll, he'll provide some details that you don't get, um, you know, in the, in the other three Gospels. And, and John will provide relational perspective that you don't get in the other three. So it, it is really neat to kind of look at all three of them together. Um, let's go ahead and look at the one um, um, on the back. Um, Peter, I know you can't read it on the slide because it's really tiny. I just was showing you the, the example of what you've got. Um, but the thing that impressed upon me about um, this particular example, and, and if you do decide to go and look at it, you'll see what I mean. A, a lot of them, there's a lot of blank space, you know, when, they, when you look at a parallel because John might have something and it's not in the other three Gospels, so there's just nothing in that place. And so you've got the, the passage of John listed there. Um, this is one of the few where there's a pretty equal account um, in all four Gospels. And so... What that says to me is, you know, again, looking at this um, from, a, from a historical standpoint is we know that these are firsthand eyewitness accounts that, that are being recorded, whether it's from the author or a witness that would, would have been there and, and relayed that information to the writer, to the author. Um, and so, you know, when we, when we look at this and we see that, you know, if, if all four were so deeply impacted this, by this particular event that they put it in Scripture, we know that it would have been probably a very... Um, impactful event that took place with with Peter denying the Lord, um, and that that it is 
pretty similar across the, the four. And so that, that even gives us further credibility to the, to the accuracy and the credibility of Scripture. Um, one of the things that, um, that stood out to me in the Luke passage, um, on Luke, if you look down at the bottom, Luke 61, um, and this is where I think it's helpful. You can go back and look at the actual context and the setting because they were in this courtyard outside of the, of the palace, and Jesus was you know, being beaten and flogged, and it says when the rooster crowed, the Lord turned around and looked straight at Peter. And Peter remembered that the Lord had said to him, before the rooster crows tonight, you will say three times that you do not know me. And so just the visual of, we don't, we don't get that in John. You know, we, we know that Peter denied him, but, but you're, you know, like mentally you, could, you can't really place where everybody is. But the fact that they would have been in close enough proximity for Peter to make eye contact with Jesus, I think is really powerful. So just kind of a, you know, another reason why looking at all four um, together can be really helpful for further understanding. But in this even, and, you know, it kind of expands to the idea that, you know, that still became Peter's canvas of grace. You know, the fact that, that Peter goes on to have a story, and not just a story, but he becomes a pillar of the early church. Um, and, it, you know, it took me all the way back to um, John um, at the beginning um, in John 1. We remember, um, again, looking through this creation filter, you know, Jesus was there, you know, Peter when, when he was created and when he was born and God knew from the very beginning that he was going to be a pillar of the church. And so when he met him, he changed his name. Remember, his name was Simon. He named him Peter, um, which meant on the rock, knowing that he had potential. He knew where he was going to go and he knew that he was going to be denying him at the end of his life. And so all of those things together, um, I think even just build our own um, if you look at our own canvas of grace and knowing that you know there is no sin great enough um, that if we if we repent is not forgiven. Um, last one, and I and I, I didn't give you the handout, but I do just want to point out kind of an, just one more of the the differences because I'm going to talk about it in a minute. Um, on number one sixty four, it talks about the first three hours on the cross, and this isn't in the John version, um, but. Um, at, at, the, at the end, starting in verse 40, it talks about that the two criminals are talking to each other, um, and they're, they're, uh, it says that one is rebuking Christ um, on the cross, and the other, you know, as we know, if you've, if you've read the Luke account, um, is realizing that this is, this is God. He comes to the realization that this is God's son. Um, and Jesus makes the promise there that, that I will see you in, in paradise. And so I, I love this passage, and, and, you know, from a different perspective, in, in God's sovereignty, you know, the fact that, that he set this up, I think, um, this is my opinion, this is scripture according to Don, um, for, for those people that maybe they struggle with salvation up until the very end of their lives. Um, and and we've, we've had questions. We, you know, we do a lot of funerals here at Rock Point. And so, you know, we'll, we'll be talking to a family and like, well, you know, we know they were a believer. They, you know, they, they came to Christ recently. And, and you know, depending on their background and, and different beliefs they may have, a lot of times they'll say, you know, but they weren't baptized or, you know, but they never served in the church or they never did a Bible study or this is a passage that I can go back to and say, well, guess what? Either did this person. Um, and we know through God's promise because he says, I promise you today you will be with me in paradise. I mean, what, what a beautiful provision that, that God made through that scripture and, and through this account of Luke to, to give us so that that, I mean, 
2,000 years later that we're able to go back to that and use that is, is a comfort and encouragement for somebody that, that might have been in a similar situation. So again, just another um, little um, aspect of, of looking at the four different Gospels. Um, let's go ahead and move to the, um, the third section, the last one, which is ministry of the one to the ones. This um, is something that um, actually kind of came um, about, I'm, I actually, I'm doing the Thursday night Bible study with Ruth Brock, and um, we're, we're focusing on neighboring this semester, and, and it is kind of this ministry of ones, and you know, what can I do as an individual reaching out to an individual? It's not the masses, it's me making an impact on one person at a time. And we know that Jesus was the savior of ones. That's how he did ministry. You know, he spoke to large groups at a time, but really we see a lot of the impact when he called somebody out one by one by name. Um, we know he called his disciples one by one. Um, we know, you know, the woman at the well, um, Mary, Martha, and, and Lazarus, he had personal relationships with them. Um, you know, we could go on and on and on with the list. Um, two in particular that stand out to me, um, one is Nicodemus, and the other is um, Joseph of Arimathea. Um, the Nicodemus, um, so th that whole character and, and, and the way that that worked together, um, to me, I just, I love the picture. Of, we go back to John 3.16, and John 3.16, which we all know, um, you know, talks about um, this, this, the whole idea of why Jesus came. You know, God sent his son to die for our sin. That conversation was in response to Nicodemus. Nicodemus was trying to figure out, you know, what is this born again? What does that mean? And so this is a conversation that was taking place between the two of them. And so I love that when you come all the way full circle to Jesus' burial, that Nicodemus is part of that. And he's one of the men. And, and you don't see that in all the different Gospels. You, you, you see that... Um, you know, in, in a couple that, that where it actually mentions that Nicodemus is there. Um, but he comes, and he's the one that actually provides the, the myrrh and the incenses and, and the spices to wrap his body. And so I think, you know, again, going back to that creation filter of God knowing that night when Nicodemus would come and meet with him at night by the moon, that they would have been having this conversation. And, and Jesus, I just think that that would have been, like he would have had like this secret joy knowing that Nicodemus is, is going to be with me. Um, he is going to take care of my body. You know, he is going to be taking care of my physical presence, you know, on this earth. And, and he doesn't even know that. I mean, could, like how could you, I would just spill it. I'd be like, you know what? <laughs> I just can't wait to tell you this is so cool. You're not going to believe what's going to happen. But he didn't. He had a lot more restraint than I do. <laughs> Um, but anyway, and, and I think there's a hundreds, hundreds of examples like that when we look at scripture. Um, so anyway, you know, that's Nicodemus. Then we look at Joseph of Arimathea and the same thing. You know, do you think that when Joseph went, and I'm imagining that, you know, they had to do like we do today, you actually buy, you know, a, an area to have a burial plot. I, I would think that he would have had to purchase, you know, this area or this land where he had his tomb. Um, you know, do you think at that time that he knew that this was going to be used for the, the purpose of, of burying the Savior of the world? course not but, but Jesus did you know and, and Jesus was there when you know the rocks were made and formed and so um, just this whole um, beautiful picture of, of providence and God's um, provision even for his son at the very end um, I wanted to um, uh, just point out a couple things um, pursuing the ones and and rejoicing for the ones I think a lot of times we're really good at pursuing. You know, we, we might, God might put somebody on our heart, whether it's a neighbor or a friend or somebody else, and, um, and we're great at pursuing. And then, um, you know, whether they, 
you know, come to know Christ or we're, we're somebody that just is part of their journey and planting a seed or um, helping them along. Um, where a lot of times, and, and maybe this is just my own personal, is, is stopping and rejoicing for the ones. And so I love the passage in Luke where it talks about the rejoicing of the angels and, and how they, they rejoice over every lost um, sinner that comes and repents. And so it's, it's an important re- reminder for us as well. Um, and Jesus, Jesus does that well as an example for us. Um, the last um, thing that I want to talk about in just kind of closing, and then um, we're, uh, I'll, I'll share the video with you, um, this idea of, um, it's, a, it's a prayer prompt. Um, again, this is something that I learned from Ruth years ago um, during our prayer time. And it's, you are the God who. And I think some of you have probably done it and, and, um, and participated, and, and maybe you do it yourself. But um, it's just this whole idea of spiritual markers in your own life and kind of building this altar, whether you do it physically or just mentally, um, or maybe you have a journal, you know, when you're writing these spiritual markers down. But it's an acknowledgement of things where you see God directly intervening in your life and you acknowledge that and, and you give praise and worship for that. And so it's this prayer prompt of you are the God who. And so, for example, if it were me, you know, I could say, you know, you are the God who, you know, allowed me to, you know, go away to school where I met my husband. You know, you are the God who, you know, brought us our daughter. You are the God who, you know, gave me this really beautiful friend that encourages me and so on. You're the God who brought us to Rock Point. You know, and so it's all these things that I can look back as, as and, and maybe they're not all good things. You know, you are the God who, you know, allowed us to, to lose a child, to give me empathy for those that go through that as well. You know, it, it's not always the good things, but you can see that as, um, as a marker and something for, for your good. Um, and so going through and, and kind of doing the, um, the spiritual markers, there's a, a passage um, in Job. And I just wanted to give you a quick example, but this is another thing that you could go back and do maybe for some additional study on your own. Um, and I, I love the way this is set up because it's, it's God responding to Job. Um, and and this, is, this is how you could do it. Jesus, or God is saying, Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. So he's going on and he's, he's kind of, you know, talking to Job because Job was kind of in this complainer whining mode. And it, it, it's something you could turn back into a, a prayer of, you are the God who laid the foundations of the earth. You are the God who determined its measurements. You are the God who laid its cornerstone. And so I've, I've given you that reference there of Job 38. You could also go into 39 and 40 because it actually goes through a couple of different chapters. But that can be something else that you do on your own. Um, the last thing um, that I wanted to share, this is just a, a quote from a friend of mine. Um, that This is something that she uses when she is sharing her faith with somebody. And it's this, um, this quote. She says, Jesus is a gentleman, and he is not going to go where he isn't invited. And I just, I love that. I love the, um, I don't know, just the nature of his gentleness that, um, that he allows us to come to him. He, he doesn't force his will upon us, and that we do have a choice if we accept him as our Lord and Savior. So all that kind of culminating into where we are today. Um, you know, have, have each of us made that decision? And if we have, you know, to what extent are we responding in worship and praise to him? Um, I feel like any time that we read this the account of the crucifixion um, and the resurrection, regardless of where we are in our faith or how many times we've read it, it, it demands a response from us. We can't read it and, and be neutral. Um, and, and so what does that look like? What kind of response does it elicit from you? 
And that's where this video comes in. It's, it gives us dozens of different responses and possibilities to his creation and, and what he did on the cross. And so I, I'd like to kind of close with that. Um, we'll play the video. It's about five minutes. And then um, um, I'll come back and close us in prayer. And then I've got all this stuff up here. So if you want to come look at anything, remember, I'll share it all. So you'll have links. You're going to get a pretty hefty email from me. Um, but I'll share all that. But if you have questions or anything else or just need prayer time today, I'll be around for a little bit. And so I would love to visit with you. So we can go ahead and start the video. Dear Heavenly Father, um, Lord, we are so thankful um, that you did not leave us behind. Um, we thank you so much for the gift of your precious son. Um, Lord, we thank you for your scripture and um, just the documentation and the, um, just the, the tangible um, presence that we have um, access to you in that way. Um, Lord, I, I pray that you would just um, reach deep into our hearts and Lord, that we would just have a, a deeper and a, um, a greater understanding and appreciation and love for the sacrifice that you made. Um, I thank you for each one of these women. Lord, I pray that you would go with her um, today as, um, as we are still preparing our own hearts for the, um, the celebration of, of your resurrection. And so I just I pray that we would bring you glory in the way that we pursue you and pursue those around us. Uh, we just ask all these things in your name. Amen.